What up, what up? This is Rangan. Today is February 8th, 2020. Last night there was a Democratic debate in New Hampshire. Uh, ABC News was the one covering it and also Fargus in charge of it, the moderators and all that. Um, I'm going to give you my perspective on how I saw the night turn out. Uh, maybe give you like my top three or maybe rank them just based on the debate last night. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, overall, I mean, uh, debates are just like, I don't know, it's not, it's not as, you know, when you think of debates, you think of people like arguing policy and going back and forth and saying like, oh, you have this proposal and then other people and even the moderators keep asking questions, uh, that make sense to ask or like have follow-up questions. Or if someone attacks, if one candidate attacks another candidate on how are you going to pay for something, then the person has a chance to respond or the moderator asks more questions and actually has the facts and has the, you know, the journalism experience to kind of ask the right questions. Um, in most debates, especially in the, or this, this election cycle, actually, no, in the previous election cycle also, um, it just doesn't work like that. The moderators, especially the last one when CNN was doing it was just God awful. Um, Today, I mean, last night debate though, like the, the questions weren't that bad. The topics weren't like awful. The ones I wrote down were the first one, the first topic or question was on unity and then they moved to healthcare and then they talked about experience, which is, I don't, you know, we'll get to that one. And then they talked a little bit about the Trump impeachment. Uh, and then there was this one question about, would you want to, would you be comfortable nominating a candidate? under who's currently under investigation and that was regarding hunter biden um and joe biden so and that question was to pete um and then there was something about the clinton criticism to bernie where hillary clinton oh my god she was just like nobody likes bernie blah 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 and then there was some like other questions where it's like the second half of the debate where it was like kind of not too bad the questions it was like uh, you know, the, the Soleimani assassination that Trump ordered, um, that led to the question of like, who's ready to be commander in chief or who's, you know, has a good foreign policy and things like that. And they talked about troops out of the Middle East, like bringing the troops out of the Middle East. Um, and then they pivoted to more, uh, domestic issues like overdoses, drug addiction, guns, and then talked about Supreme Court litmus test. Who has a litmus test on the on Supreme Court justice nominations? So, you know, the questions themselves weren't that bad. It's just like there's no like follow up on facts. Like when you talk about healthcare for like six debates in a row or set whatever number they're on right now, and they're still allowing questions like how are you going to pay for it for Bernie's Medicare for all. It's like, can we address these things? Because it's been answered over and over again, not only in debates, but in interviews with the New York Times, CBS News, MSNBC, like all of these places, it's been discussed. And so like those types of questions are just like, or, or the allowing of other candidates to call out stuff like, oh, Bernie is a socialist. Is that a good thing? It's like you as the moderator, they should have some responsibility in like kind of checking or interrupting with saying like, hey, uh, the current healthcare system actually cost $50 trillion over the over 10 years, and it's not even covering everybody. Like, these are some facts that they should be spitting out, and they're not. 
Um, but that's that's the moderators. Uh, I don't really know them by name, the moderators, but there was this one great um, pushback, I would say. Uh, one of the moderators, I'm sorry, I, I don't know her name, um, but it was on talking about talking to Pete Buttigieg on drug arrests in South Bend, Indiana, where he uh, was mayor and how there was an increase in in um, arrests for the black population in South Bend, Indiana. And, and there was like pushback. Um, like, you know, Pete, you know, tried to skirt the question like he always does or give these like platitudes, like, you know, talking like Obama kind of thing. Um, and then the moderator wasn't having it. And she's like, no, 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 no. There was an increase after you became your, you came into office and then Pete started like answering it in a weird way, but we'll get to that too. All right. So let's see. Um, how do I want to do this? Hmm. Oh, and then one more debate, overall debate note, was just these weird camera angles where they had like choppy zooming and the camera was shaking. It was just kind of weird. Um, but I guess that's that's not that big of a deal. Um, all right, I guess we'll start with Biden. <laughs> Biden is, my goodness, if you're still a Biden supporter, I feel like, I don't know, what what, what more is there that can be said or, you know, how, how can you be convinced not like, that this guy isn't it, you know, um, his, you know, on Reddit, there was a, there's a funny comment. It was like, this is, it sounds like he's like a drunk grandpa trying to recall a story. And that's kind of what it is. Like he still has some energy and he still like, you know, has some appeal, I guess. Like he seems like, uh, he's strong. He's putting on the strong thing, but I think it's falling flat. And also like, it's just, I don't know if I'm just getting used to him mispronouncing words or forgetting stuff or like just dropping sentences mid thought. Like I kind of feel bad for him. Like I really do think that he has like some sort of cognitive decline and there's like a fine line between me like making fun of him for that. And also, but at the end of the day, he's like running for, you know, the nominee for the democratic primary. So it's like, come on, dude, like, you know, get your stuff together. Um, so one of the big things, I guess, that he um, he he spends a lot of time on experience um, that he calls out the other candidates, namely um, Pete Buttigieg or um, other you know people like Tom Steyer, I guess. But he thinks that experience, he knows how to get things done. He knows world leaders by their first name. Um, I bet you he doesn't. Um, he knows like he's been there, done that. He's like past Obamacare and you know takes a lot of credit for that, which maybe he should because he was the vice president during that time. Um, he kind of thinks that that is in itself an argument for why he should be, uh, the nominee. And I don't know. I don't think it's that convincing. Um, for one thing, like when it comes to experience, and this is something I'll give Pete Buttigieg credit to, like, I don't think experience is that like, it's this big thing. Like, you know, like I'm more interested in what you're going to be doing now, what your policies are what's your vision? Like what, what's going to be done moving forward? Right. Like experience is just a thing. Like, it, you know, like Hillary Clinton is one of the most experienced politicians, but you know, she lost to Trump. I mean, like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's not that, you know, important. Like what about bad experience? Like, you know, Biden has a lot of bad experience in this turn, the sense that like he was like on the wrong side of issues, but you know, like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when it comes to race relations in the country, like 
does that count as under your experience, you know? And like, so I, th- I think this whole experience thing is really overblown and I- I'll give Pete some credit for Pete, but just some credit for not having uh, uh, experience in the Congress or, or Senate or, you know, doing any of that stuff. Um, or even like Tom Stare or Steyer, um, he's just a billionaire. Like, you know, it, uh, experience is not a big thing in my, in my opinion. And, um, oh, one more thing before I continue is that I want to give you my bias straight up. Like I am, um, on the side, I guess in the subset of Democrats who are very progressive left-leaning, um, who has like a very left-leaning viewpoint and like my candidate, the one I'm supporting is Bernie Sanders. So I want to be, I don't want to, you know, pretend I'm like CNN or MSNBC who pretend that they don't have a bias. They're like, oh, we're neutral. Yeah, 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 you're not. But uh, it's important to know that like the things I'm talking about here are coming from my perspective and my lens of I like Bernie. Um, I, I, I like the things that Yang says. Um, and, you know, those are the types of candidates that I vibe with. The, the Justice Democrats, um, the, you know, not taking big money from corporations or billionaires and like starting a grassroots movement type of candidates. Um, I think those are the people and and Bernie is my guy. Um, so I just wanted to get that off the bat. So, um, so it's only fair that, you know, like my criticism of these candidates are coming from the left. Um, anyway, and then Biden had um, early in the debate, he um, said something like, well, Trump will call if, if Bernie wins the, uh, the, the nominee, like, well, in the general Trump will, just label him a democratic socialist. And then that led to a question asking, you know, the moderators asked, does anybody, is anybody uncomfortable um, with uh, a, a socialist running for president? And like any, nobody raised their hand except for Amy Klobuchar. Um, and I think Tom Starr, like at the end of a little bit, he was like kind of raising his hand, but I don't know if he was going for a question or if he was just agreeing with, or, you know, saying that he, he thinks he's uncomfortable with that. Um, but it, it, I think this is another, another example of how Biden is out of touch. Like Trump will call Bernie a democratic socialist, you know, like, and <laughs> like it, it's, that word is like super loaded in the national conversation. But it's, if you, if you actually poll people on Bernie's policies, he has, oh, Bernie has overwhelming support on every one of his issues, uh, when it comes to Medicare for all or the green new deal, or, you know, all of these things, like uh, the new trade, new trade deals and really like, you know, ending the regime change wars, like these are overwhelmingly popular policy positions. So I don't think that will land. And, you know, there are certain people that uh, look at the word socialist and then they get like, they panic and they get scared and they're like, you know, those people are probably not going to be convinced if you if they think a word like that is like taboo you know um and and it's just like i i've i've come across people in my own life who like oh he's a socialist and it's like and you know <laughs> and like what you know it, it really just doesn't uh equate to like uh a, an insult in my world um and if you really think about it like the current i'm digressing a bit here but like we america is running on socialism right now um, but it's socialism for the wealthy, for the elite, for the corporations. Like, think about 
how Amazon does not pay any federal taxes. Walmart, um, lots of big corporations don't get, you know, don't pay any taxes. They get away with it or they get deals. Like, you know, if you're a billionaire, you can donate to a political, you can donate to a, 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 what's it called? A candidate like Bloomberg has done in the past, Mayor Bloomberg or whatever he's doing right now. Um, he, he's donated to Republican candidates, Democratic candidates, and then he benefits from the tax program. So it's like there is some level of socialism for the wealthy going on. So it, it, if you think of it that way, then it's like we are all paying taxes. That tax money goes somewhere. Right now, that tax money is going to a bloated military budget at like and, and just like packages uh, tax benefits to the to the one percent. And it, these aren't things that are just like um, said and, you know, like, like just openly said. These are facts. Like you, you can look at the tax plan that Trump um, um, developed and, and he implemented and how that actually already um, you can see the, the benefits moving towards the uh, towards the top. Let me pull that up one second. See if I can find this. But, you know, while I'm pulling that up. Um, Do, 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 do. Here we go, Business Insider. Great. All right. Um, <clears throat> distribution. All right. I don't want to. Let me I'll come back to this because this is uh this is still going on the the, the podcast and I should have researched this a little bit before. But I mean, if you look it up, there's there's a lot of um, you know it. it the rich got away with a lot of the Trump tax cuts and that's not surprising. But anyway, back to the socialism thing. Another socialism kind of ideas are social security, which is again, overwhelmingly popular um, public schools, ninth K through 12, like that is funded by the government. And that, you know, if we were having this debate, um, like, you know, during the industrial revolution where ninth to 12th grade was not free, like only K through eight was free. I bet you these are the candidates that would say, no, 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 we can't fund nine through 12. Like that's, we're not giving away free education, you know? And it's like, but it's needed. Like as time goes on in a country and where education evolves, like there are things like, like a, the value of a high school diploma is not what the value of it, uh, it's not the same value it held um, in the 1920s um, or the 1940s, 1950s, right? And I, when I worked in my first company uh, as a, a side right now, like there was someone who's working as a director who graduated in 1980. This guy didn't go to college, you know? And it's like, those are, these are changing times. Like what type of jobs can you get with a high school degree? It's kind of important to get um, a college education to be, to make a living. Uh, you know, in most cases, I mean, there are very like special cases or, you know, there are some people who with a high school degree, right, you know, started their own business or got into like, um, vocational training and like build a business and make, you know, or, or did some sort of like, they work their way up somehow, but it's I'm saying like, those are very like rare and special cases um, where like, you know, you, you still would need a college education to have a good, like a moderate to good life in the U S um, anyway, back to Biden. Like this is, um, you know, he, he really had nothing to say other than like what he's against and what like these like cliches of like, I need to, you know, we need to beat Trump. We, he is the worst president of all time. He is a deceitful, like this is a democratic debate. No one's 
no one's arguing that Trump is good. Like, this is an, another thing that really gets to me. Like, people who think that being anti-Trump is a virtue or it's like a it's a policy position. It's it's a principle. Like, no, that should be a given. You know, if you're running in the Democratic Party, we know that you're trying to get um, Trump elected out of office. And you, we know that you think he's dangerous and all that kind of stuff. Like, the more you say that, it doesn't. I just think it's just like a, a cop out. Like, you know, if they're asked a question, they're like, look, what's important is this is what Tom Steyer kept doing all debate. And he had a lot of talking time. And all he did was be the Paul Revere of Trump's a bad guy, like just warning everybody. Like, you know, he, just to pivot to Steyer, he was just like, as a reminder, everybody, like we are all like, I love everybody up here. You guys are all great. We're all right. Uh, look, this is we're not having the right debate here. We need to ask how we're going to beat Donald Trump. And like, yeah, but this is a debate on policies and like who these candidates are, how to differentiate themselves for the voters to choose which one should be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Um, so, uh, you know, that's that's something that's kind of like overdone in these debates where it's just like just the number of time Trump is invoked. And like it, it just seems like it's, it's all pandering like oh, we need to get this guy out of office. We need to do this. Like, yeah, 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 I agree. But like, let's move on to the issues. Um, and then um, Biden had this one exchange with Bernie when he was talking about how we're going to pay for Medicare for all. And Bernie started saying, like, just chuckling. You can see him, like, pick up a glass of water because it's the same tired question, Right. Ah, uh, water. It's the same tired question. And and what's more is that, like, have you ever heard of anyone question Trump's tax cuts or, or for the rich and say, how are how can the how can people afford to do this or the wars, the military budget? Anyone put on a grandstanding display, especially on the left? Other than Bernie, other than Tulsi Gabbard, other than like a few principled members, uh, you know, uh, in, in the Democratic wing of uh, government in the U.S., there are there's very few people that go, oh, oh, we want to increase the military budget to 80 billion or whatever. How are we going to pay for it? There's no conversation. It's just like, OK, done, done. You know, when it comes to you, but when it comes to things that actually help Americans, like spending on infrastructure, you know, fixing our, our bridges, roads, public transport, which is a mess in this country. Then we have to bring out all the charts and like start like, hey, guys, how are we going to pay for this? You know. It's just so tiring. It's like be consistent. If you're concerned about spending, um, if you're concerned about government expenditure and, you know, the deficit or the debt, then be consistent on anything that happens right? Don't be someone who looks at one issue or one side and says, okay, military budgets, great. Uh, bailouts, amazing. Corporate welfare, great. Oh, we want to cancel medical debt? Why? Or like, well, who's going to pay for it? That to me is just very like inexcusable. It's very lazy. And it's just, it doesn't, you don't come off being like um, um, a very smart um, managed conservative, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to look after the money. 
Like you don't come off as that because you're not consistent. This is similar to when Rand Paul, who didn't say a word about the Trump's tax plan, but then he started like grandstanding on uh, the 9-11 bill, which is basically the, or not a bill. I don't know what it was actually, but what it's called, but the, 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 the first responders that John Stewart was saying, like there's a bunch of John, uh, first responders that they don't have um, a fund or the fund is running out for their treatments for cancer and like all these like respiratory illnesses. And like, there's people who don't have money there, like, or insurance or like the proper funding for their, for their, um, you know, for their, for their treatments, for them to get better. And these are people like, it's 2020. These are this 19 years after, after 9-11 and people are still, hurting the, the the firefighters the fire uh, the police officers the the paramedics the 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 civilians the the workers everyone who helped on 9-11 that day who put their lives at risk helping others saving people and even like the after efforts of cleaning up the debris and all of this stuff that was going on the, these are people that republicans love saying like oh these are the heroes these are this but when it comes to actually helping them then it becomes a thing of like, oh, wait a second. Um, and this is something that Rand Paul is like, he made a question, you know, in front of like the Senate or in, the, in front of the Congress, like, uh, I'm just, I'm just questioning the, uh, you know, from a, I'm not saying that they don't deserve it, but we have to be mindful about our budget and how much money we have and stuff like that. And then he got shit for it on, on, you know, on all over, all over the place, basically saying like, okay, but you didn't say these things when it was other policies that cost way more money. Right. And so this is, um, this is kind of like the similar thing with Biden, like how are you going to pay for it? His plan is um, Biden's plan. Uh, I mean, as, 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 as I can tell in from the debate was just Medicare, if you want it similar to Buttigieg's plan, Medicare for all, if you want it. And, or for those who want it, whatever it's called. So reduce copay, deduction, capital gains, um, or sorry, and, and reduce copay, deduction, co-insurance, all those th- kinds of things. Expand uh, Obamacare or Affordable Care Act. And then how are you going to pay for it? Oh, we're going to um, adjust the capital gains, make it, you know, pretty much use the capital gains tax to pay for this. And, um, and he was just saying this is a lot cheaper. But the thing is, like, the Medicare for all, for those that want it, or the choice plan that Buttigieg talks about, basically having a public option and having private insurance, and then letting the people decide, letting them have the choice of, of you know, what, where, how they want to get covered. It, it, it's been done. And, and the thing is, like, it's been done, and it's not even comprehensive. Like, there's still going to be an X number of people that are not going to have health insurance or they're not going to be able to have access to health care. So if we are going to build a program for health insurance, what are the metrics you should look at? Okay, you want every what number would you want to be not covered? Like and my argument is like anything above zero is like not a good plan. If you if you have a plan that still puts 12 million people or 20 million people at risk of dying each year because they don't have access to healthcare, then that's not a good plan. Right. And, and this is the, this is the kind of like um, messaging that cable news kind of fails at is that talking about Medicare for all in the sense of like um, 
the cost of it, one thing, and you know, they, they harp on the raising taxes, but you are eliminating all the private taxes. What do I mean by private taxes? Every year, <clears throat> Americans who have health insurance, and if we visit a doctor or not, we pay premiums. We pay, excuse me, <coughs> sorry, we pay premiums, we pay um, deductibles, we pay, we have, we have co-pays when you visit, we have drug, uh, you know, the medicine, the prescription medicine charges, we have co-insurance. We are paying for health insurance, but on average, people are still paying like, uh, you know, the like the average person or family for still pays like, like close to 12 to 15,000 a year on health insurance. So, and these are things that are mandatory. Like it's not an, a choice to not have health insurance. Like you have to have health insurance, right? Or you get penalized for it. So this is sort of a private tax that we're paying. What Medicare for all says is like, everything is going to go through taxes. And at the point of service for healthcare, everything is free. So when you walk into a, walk into a hospital or, or clinic or dentist or whatever, there's no, you don't, you don't walk out with a bill because your tax money is already paying for that. And another thing is like this system has been implemented in tons of countries. Most of the, like, I think America is the only modern or developed nation in the world that doesn't have some sort of universal healthcare. And, and it's like the arguments that are like just cliche against it. I mean, I could have a separate episode on healthcare. I mean, there's the, there, I have an article on, driftaware.com that covers a lot of this healthcare stuff too. And I don't want to derail from the, from this debate episode, but basically like as a punchline, Bernie's um, Medicare for all plan. Yes, it does cost $30 trillion over 10 years. And that's something that everyone loves saying, whether you're left leaning or right leaning, if you're mainstream media, they love that number. Right. But what they refuse to tell you is how much does it save? Not how not 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 in terms of human lives, which is also extraordinary, but it also saves over ten years thirty two to thirty four trillion dollars. So you're we're better off doing this plan that everyone's covered for, and and it's so disheartening hearing people talk about um, taxes in a way that like um, I don't want my taxes going up. Well guess what? Your taxes are going to go up every election cycle on, on, on something. And, and like, we don't really have a choice or we don't really have a feeling of like where your tax money is going to like, think about it. You pay taxes. Where is that tax money going to like, other than like the bare minimum running a country, where is it going to Where is it going towards? I would happily pay more taxes if I'm getting benefits from it. Um, if I'm, you know, if, if there's free tuition, free college, free public universities for me and my neighbors, for, for our communities, free um, uh, healthcare for all, which is, again, not free because we're paying taxes, but I'm saying at the point of service, it's free. Like that would have monumental improvements in people's lives across the country. You know? Um, all right. I didn't plan on doing a part two, but I guess I'm going to have to do a part two because the the service that I'm using to publish these only lets me record 30 minutes at a time. Um, but um, so that's Biden in a nutshell. He just like, he just like talks a lot. He just, yeah, he's just so off putting and like, 
another thing is like he's just gross man like gross with women he's like handsy and like do we really want to see two president two people going at it in the general who are both gross with women like you know i can see how that's going to go trump's gonna be like or he joe's gonna be like you're you know nasty with women or you are inappropriate and then trump is gonna nail joe and be like yo okay handsy handsy joe he's gonna give him a nickname handsy joe or creepy joe or sleepy joe whatever it is like like they're both gross like i don't want to have a debate between you know handsy joe biden and a disgusting you know uh gross to women person in trump like that just sucks if if that happens like that's just it just seems like um a shitty thing and also biden isn't for anything like if you've really heard him talk about stuff like yeah he may say like i'm i'm going to expand medicare or like uh, which he's not because he's called for the cut on medicare and social security for a long time you know, he may say things like, I'm going to, you know, uh, improve Obamacare or make the Affordable Care Act, expand the benefits of that. Fine. But what else? Like, he's just a status quo president. I mean, that's what who would, he would be. You know, things aren't going to fundamentally change. He even said it behind closed doors to his donors. Things aren't going to fundamentally change for you. Well, you know, things have to fundamentally change for uh improvement for for things to develop in this country and and to for for certain situations to get better but anyway i'm going to do a part two because i'm at time um hopefully we get to more than just one candidate in the next one all right i'm back uh this is part two watch the first part i mean for mostly biden stuff but i think we'll move on from biden um oh and one more funny thing that biden said um uh, it's just a slip up. These are the funny ones. Like when the question was um, about uh, the general Soleimani in, in Iran, like um, the, the the assassination of, of Soleimani, uh, what would you have done? Would you, do you agree with what Trump did? That was the question for the moderators to every candidate. And Biden's response was in the middle of his response. He goes, I, I, I don't know what I would have done. It's like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's what we want to hear. Right. Like you don't know what you would have done. Um fine whatever um but then like it, it's still funny like in the in the first couple of debates there was these gaffes from biden where he would he would actually cut his own time short uh when he's responding and it's just hilarious because like in these debates honestly like if you have the time to speak you should be using it you should be fighting for time right like like look at poor andrew yang who just doesn't even get picked on or called on um for questions but Biden, uh, there's, a, there's one of the points where he's like, I think my time is running out. So, I'll, you know, and he cuts himself off. And it's just, to me, that's hilarious because it's like, dude, this is your time to speak. Just keep talking about stuff. Like, you know, just use the time. Like, it, it just tells me that you either don't know what to say. You ha- haven't like, you don't know how to respond to a question or you just have nothing else to say. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um We'll talk about Klobuchar actually next. I think I think she had a strong showing um, in the sense that like if you are if you are generally apolitical, um, you're just tuning in every now and then to debates. You don't really read up much on politics. You don't know these history. You just look at you because you're just doing like an eye test of like, hey, who looks presidential? Who talks nicely? Um, who says things like you know that kind of? If you're that type of voter then you would look at someone like Buttigieg and Klobuchar highly because they are these standard managed 
like polished, like rehearsed kind of politicians where it just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where they say, where they talk a lot, but they don't say much. And, um, and this is like kind of Klobuchar's thing uh, in, in my perspective, this is, this is how Klobuchar pay, played out in the debate last night. She, so the first thing, I mean, but she did talk a lot um, and she did have a lot of time and, and she did say some strong things. Um, and I, and she said some things that I, you know, a lot of things that I, I wouldn't agree with. Um, in the beginning, she babbled about Mitt Romney's courage because, you know, he didn't, Mitt Romney didn't, uh, or he supported the impeachment or he, he was the only Republican that didn't vote with the, you know, that to acquit Donald Trump. Um, and then she raised her hand about the whole democratic socialist who's worried about a democratic socialist running for president. Um, and her response to that when she raised her hand was like, oh, I'm worried about shutting people out. We need to unify. Like, why would we shut people out? We need to appeal to the moderates, um, to the, to the moderates, to the, the centrists, to the, to the conservatives, to the Republicans. Um, yes and no. So the difference between appealing to a large base is like, okay, I would say this, this happened recently with the, the, the backlash with Bernie, right? Like with the, when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and Joe Rogan endorsed or like half-ass, half-ass endorsed Bernie. He, it was such a tepid endorsement. He was just like, I would probably vote for Bernie. And then um, people were like, oh my God, Joe Rogan, this guy who's a, an asshole, he's a meathead, he's this, he's that. Like, you know, like the, you got endorsed by this guy. But Joe Rogan, ha- and to those who don't know who Joe Rogan is, and he's sort of one of my um, favorite people in the world. And like, I listen to his podcast all the time. He's the, he's the best. He's has a, he has one of the largest fan bases when it comes to podcasts. And it's a very mixed uh, group of people, mostly I would say Republicans, like, you know, um, that, that type of crowd. Um, but he also has like a wide range of guests on the show from like sports figures to musicians to like people like Elon Musk and Neil deGrasse Tyson and to questionable, you know, people like Milo Yiannopoulos and, and, um, whatever he has like a wide range of uh, topics and guests and he talks about everything and so he has this like wide like audience but that are mostly right-leaning but um you know and, and so my point is like when bernie said like he got the endorsement from joe rogan um mainstream media was like oh this is ridiculous how dare he like whatever blah 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 but this is exactly the the example of of unifying and attracting voters the correct way where you don't appeal to them you don't like as a candidate you don't change your what you stand for your policies in order to attract a certain group so that's the big difference joe rogan came to said i'm on board with bernie's message it wasn't the way around where it's like bernie saying okay in order to attract joe rogan i need to change some of my things no no no. joe came on to his side bernie did not change for joe and so that's the kind of Joe Rogan, by the way, and that's the that's the kind of uh, nuance that that's kind of missed here. Um, and so when when she's saying like uh, when Amy Klobuchar is like, we need to uh, appeal to Republicans. Well, guess what? Republicans aren't going to vote for you. Like there's like, you tapping into Republicans like what the way you tap into Republicans or conservatives who aren't really going to vote for Trump in the general 
I don't even know. I mean, there's going to be like some percentage of Republicans or conservatives that don't vote for Trump. I agree. But they're not going to vote for you, Amy, unless you have some sort of messaging for them. And if you have some sort of messaging for them, then that's automatically going to clash with the, you know, with the, with the progressives, with the other, you know, more liberal Democrats. So you're turning your back on somebody. So, it, and I think this is the, the main point with Bernie was saying, it's like the way you build, um, you unify the party, unify the country, you build a, a movement is by building a movement, you know, grassroots movement where you get everyone on board, like the working people of America, the, the you know, the, the people that have been denied, you know, these are the people you want on board. And, you know, when you solve for healthcare, that's not, you don't only help liberals, you help everyone in the country, whether you're libertarians, conservatives, everyone is, is affected by shitty healthcare. When you, when you talk about uh, canceling medical debt, everyone, you know, is affected by that. Like, even he makes this argument where like healthcare with Medicare for all, it's also a women's issue too, because um, or like, you know, especially black women who have poorer health outcomes than white women. And also women in general have poorer health outcomes than men. Like that is, um, that can be solved with policies like Medicare for all with, uh, you, you know, like the green new deal, like where you're, you're a jobs program, like these are things that benefits everybody. And so that's how you kind of attract, um, a lot of different people into one, uh, into one campaign not by just saying i have to run centrist so i can i can attract the left people and right people it doesn't work that way it just doesn't that's like if you've learned anything from hillary clinton's campaign like that didn't work you know like you need to have policy you need to have direction you need to have something that people would come out and vote for so that was that her health care thing was like building on the aca the obamacare with the public option same as the other ones, you know, it's just, it's just not going to work, man. Like if you're an insurance company, your business model relies on getting as many healthy people on your policies as possible. So you increase your premiums and you decrease their chances of paying out on claims. So if there's a public option and there's private insurance companies, uh, don't you think that insurance companies will try as hard as they can to make sure they're only uh, getting the healthy people and really kicking off or like denying coverage for people that with pre-existing conditions or people that are seem to have poor health or smokers and all that. All those people are going to run to the public option. And then later on, these insurance companies and politicians are going to be like, oh, look, the insurance companies are cheaper, more affordable, public options bloated. It's like, it's not working. Yeah, because the whole test was set up wrong. So if you're going to set up a test, this isn't how you do it. You know, um, it's one thing if you can guarantee a randomized pool that public option will get and health insurance will get. But even then, it, it won't. It's just not going to work the way that these guys, Buttigieg, Biden and Klobuchar, thinks it's going to work. And even Elizabeth Warren, who I'm very disappointed in, she backed off of Medicare for all in the beginning when she started her campaign or you know a year ago. She was like, I'm for Medicare for all, blah, blah, blah. And then she slowly started walking back little by little. And to last night where she was just like, I'm going to, you know, she's going to also, um, not, you know, she's not for M4A, but she's going to defend um, uh, the Obamacare. So 
you know, that's just, it's just one of those things where people don't love their health insurance companies. They love their health care. And, and it's so damn disappointing and frustrating that people confuse health insurance. They conflate health insurance with health care. They're not the same thing. You know, the argument that, oh, if we do Medicare for all, then over 40 million people will lose their health insurance. Yeah, so what? The point of health insurance is to get health care. But if we can just give them health care, we don't need health insurance. Insurance companies last year made $60 billion in profit. That's $60 billion that came from people's premiums, like their health care expenditures that didn't go towards health care. Why are why is this system so hard to why is it so hard to understand that like this is not a moral system this is not why would you insert a middleman for um for something like healthcare where it's a, it's a necessity for everybody rich poor black white gay straight everybody needs healthcare like, imagine if there was like an insurance policy for fire protection like your house is on fire. Oh, do you have the right coverage? Oh, you only covered your bedrooms. Oh, the fire is in the kitchen. Uh, we we can't. We don't cover it. I mean, they'll still come and put it out. But here, you got. You're gonna be hit with this massive bill. No. It doesn't work that way. Jeez, it's like this is such an like. This is the power of lobbying. This is the power of propaganda. In, in constant, constant, like, this is why money needs to get out of politics, because these pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies are so heavily involved in politics, in government. And why? Because they're, they're hobby, they're, you know, they're just fans of government? No, because they know that they can get these politicians to write legislation to help them or to prevent legislation to hurt them. The government, as a reminder, is for the people, by the people, like it's for protecting the citizens. It's not protecting special interests. It's not for protecting corporations. The government doesn't exist to protect just one segment of the population, the elite. No, the government is there to, it's pretty much like a big ass union for all of us, the taxpayers, the citizens, every person living in the U.S. But somewhere along the lines, or along the along the journey, like in the, in the 80s or 70s, where, what at some point it took a turn when they found out war is profitable. When they said fossil fuel companies, executives think that, oh, we can't invest in public transportation because that'll have less people driving cars, which means less uh, less money in, in gas spending and oils and that kind of stuff for, for us. So they get heavily involved. And if you're a politician, I don't blame... A politician for taking money because you know what people are fallible um people are prone to saying oh my god i get someone's donating five like i get five hundred thousand dollars to talk at goldman sachs like okay and then like when you do get these kinds of donations when you're in office and they call are you more likely to to rub their back because they rubbed yours during during your election cycle yes it's human nature but the one person consistent throughout his entire career and principled on this is Bernie Sanders. Even Elizabeth Warren said she, you know, she made this, this point last night in the debate that she's the only one who doesn't take PAC money, which is a lie. And she, she prides herself in not having billionaire donors, which is also a lie. 
But then she also says, like, in the general election, she's going to start taking uh, donations. So what's the point of that? If you're going to be principled in the primary, but not the general. So what? You just want to hoodwink the vote, the, the primary voters into thinking, OK, you're going to be principled. And then in the general, you're going to be like, fuck it. I'm I'm already running for president now. So I'm going to start taking things and justifying your way throughout. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, again, Klobuchar had um, <laughs> I keep. <laughs> I keep getting uh, sidetracked on stuff, um, but she, Klobuchar has a bunch of platitudes. Oh man, I don't know. We should we should have a competition between Klobuchar and, and Buttigieg or Buttigieg on how many times they say these like platitudes like, we need to be tough. We need to have an optimistic vision. We need to, well, Buttigieg had one. It's like when he first started, he's like, New Hampshire thinks for itself. They won't listen to anybody. Oh, yeah, nice, nice one. Good, good line. But okay, <laughs> you know, like it's like, you know, or like the president needs to be tough. They have to be, uh, they have to think quick. They have to be smart. You know, this fake politician voice and cadence. It's just like so manufactured, man. Um, uh, all right, so that's Amy Klobuchar. Like again, like. She didn't have a bad showing in the sense that, like, if you don't know who she is or what she's about or if you don't really care about um, actual change in this country, she seems like someone who's has the has the look of someone who would be presidential or knows what to say. But at the end of the day, man, Trump is, will have a field day with her. Trump will have a field day with Biden. Trump will have a field day with Buttigieg. Like, it's just not going to pan out for the for 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 Klobuchar. And like, I don't really see what the what the whole fascination is with her. Um, and you know, she says some good things like, you know, we need to invest in education, invest in healthcare, but like, you can't just say these things like without having like actual, like, it doesn't feel like she has conviction in what she's even saying. And like, where's the policy proposals? If you go to, uh, Andrew Yang or whatever his website is, you see all his policies. It is amazing to see all of it listed out, no matter if you agree with it or not. Like the fact that he has like some sort of plan, even Elizabeth Warren has so much plans. And that, that's kind of like a meme for Elizabeth Warren. I have a plan for that. Like they have policies out the wazoo. Same with Bernie. And like with the rest, like I'm sure they have like when I go to Pete Buttigieg's website, I actually went for Pete for or Pete, Pete whatever, Mayo, Mayo Pete for America, whatever it's called. Um, and I saw his issues. Um, and yeah, they, he has some stuff. He has like the Douglas plan for, for uh, the black americans or whatever and like it, it's it's not as specific it's just more like here's what we're going to do here's what we think we're going to do like here's what should be done but it's like there's no specific bills already written out like you know it's like you're running for president man like you, you don't just say stuff and like you need to kind of like prove it like show it show that you're you're interested in this and also you need to be it needs to be believable do i trust pete Buttigieg with with uh transformational change in america fuck no this guy this guy who worked at McKinsey and like was in charge of, you know, price fixing for grocery markets in the Canada was in charge of like, not in charge of that's a, that's a, that's, that's false. I don't I, you know. That's, that sounds, that's way too strong, but he was working on with, with clients for price fixing. He worked with blue cross blue shield who did after two years, he left McKinsey. They had this big layoff and he, when he was asked about it, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like I left, I, you know, but it's like, but behind closed doors, there's like a clip of him saying like, oh, he did this thing. He he saw that there was um, 
uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield was like growing immensely and there was a lot of duplicative work going on. Like the dude's corruptible. He's already corrupted. He he has over 40 billionaires backing him. Why do you think billionaires back certain candidates? It's not because they're bored. You know, it's not because, oh, I have $200,000. I have a million dollars to just spend on a candidate. No, it's because they they expect a return you know all right let's move on to let's move on to um andrew yang andrew yang is he he's one of my favorites and like i you know i i hope he sticks around um and i i don't think this is the the year for him and i don't think like you know he's far out but man to see someone who's actually human (laughs) who actually cares um, who's, who's passionate about stuff he does and like who talks about things and kind of brings it all together. It's so refreshing, um, to see all this and hold on one second. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Can I call you back? 